This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. I'm so grateful uh, that Pastor Asher gave me this opportunity to bring the first message in our first service of this new year. I trust it will be a blessing to you as we look at the Word of God today. Turn with me, if you will, in your Bibles to 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy chapter 3. We're going to look at a very familiar passage of Scripture this morning. You know this passage pretty well. I hope I can approach it from a little different angle maybe than, than some others have. And I hope I can share with you some things this morning from the Word of God that will give you some strength and help for the coming year. Uh, we have a new year ahead of us, don't we? And we're looking forward to it. We're in Second uh, Timothy chapter 3. And I want to begin reading at verse 14. I'd like to ask you to stand with me, please, as we read down through the end of this chapter beginning at verse 14. Paul writing to his young preacher boy. We're not sure exactly how old Timothy was at this time. He, he probably was not a teenager. He was pastoring the church at Ephesus, we believe, at this particular time. <clears throat> Paul had led him to Christ. And then he writes two epistles to him, first and second Timothy, and gives him some wonderful, practical pastoral advice much of which is good for us today. Uh, in fact, all of it's good for us today and, and much of what we can use in our lives for the year to come. By the way, this clock up here says it's two o'clock. <laughs> well, this is the clock I always look at when I preach and I, if I keep looking at that clock, we'll never get out of here. I'll have to remember to look back there at that clock. It says it's 10 o'clock right now. So let's get with it. Verse 14. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast learned the holy scriptures which are able to make thee wise unto salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, for the purpose that the man of God may be perfect. That word perfect there doesn't mean sinless perfection, but rather it means to be complete or mature. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. Our Father, quicken our minds today Give us something, Lord, from your word today by thy spirit that will help us. Strengthen us for the coming year, the days that lay ahead of us. And I pray, God, that it will be very precious. Lord, if there's somebody in this congregation this morning or someone watching by live stream that's not saved, I pray that the Holy Spirit will use his convicting power today to draw them to thyself. May sinners be saved. And above everything else, may Christ be exalted, we pray in his name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. 
50 years ago, God in his wisdom and by divine providence led a small group of God-fearing people to plant a Bible-believing Baptist church in Chesapeake, Virginia. And here we are. God's blessed this ministry, blessed it under the first two pastors that were here. And uh, then in 1991, God called Jan and me here to continue the work that was begun in 1972. And I had the wonderful privilege of pastoring this great church for 23 years until I retired in 2014. And then the Lord led our current pastor, Brother Mike Asher here, to continue the work that was begun and has been going on now for 50 years. Isn't that wonderful? Almost 51. But we're still in our 50th year. It won't be 51 until we come to the month of April. But for 50 years, this church has stood true to the Word of God. All four of its pastors, I was the third pastor, Pastor Asher is the fourth. But all four of us have preached the same gospel from the same Bible. We've served the same Lord with the same fervency. We've had the same love for the saints and for sinners. And it's been our sacred duty to lead this congregation to continue the title of my message this morning is, But Continue Thou. You see that on the screen. And so it's been our duty to continue in the things that we've learned from the very beginning, just as Paul had instructed his preacher boy, his young friend, Timothy, to continue in the faith, continue thou in the things that you've learned, he said. Sadly, there are pastors and churches in our day, some half the age of this church, some that are twice the age of this church, that no longer stand for the truth that's revealed in this blessed book, the Bible. They've swallowed the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, and my prayer is that the good people of Good News Baptist Church will stand firm and true to the Word of God and continue on in what you've learned until Jesus comes. As a matter of fact, I'm expecting him to come this year. I really am. Today we be, we're beginning a, a new year. This new year we will present new trials, uh, new temptations to compromise and to bow to the pressures of the changing trends in the modern church. And believe me, there are pressures. But it will also offer new blessings from God and a promise of hope if we stand true to him and follow his will. All of us this year, no doubt, will suffer some hardships and some heartaches. Maybe we'll lose a loved one. Maybe we'll have a serious accident. Or maybe we'll suffer a crippling illness. But all of us will be the benefactors of God's amazing grace as poured out by his loving care and his mercy. Doesn't make any difference what comes our way, folks. God's promise is never to leave us nor forsake us. We're looking forward to what the year 2023 holds for us. We should take great confidence in the advice that the Apostle Paul gives to Timothy here in these verses that we read just a few moments ago. And uh, the, problems, the problem that the Apostle Paul was dealing with here in this second letter to Timothy is this. 
How can a Christian continue in these stressful and pressure-filled times? I know that many of you here in this congregation this morning have felt those pressures, haven't you? There were bad times in Paul's day, but to tell you the world has gone insane with hate and ill passion. We've developed a generation that's destroying itself with its moral filth and shameless self-indulgence. And the church, for the most part, has a form of godliness but denying the power thereof. And how can a Christian maintain his integrity in a society like this? When these evil times, which Paul describes here in the first 13 verses of this chapter, when they come crashing down on us with the pursuing attempt to wipe out our faith and destroy all that we believe, what are we to do? Look at how Paul describes this it, describes it in just the first few verses of chapter 3. He says this, This know that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truth breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those who are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There's no other words. We, we couldn't write words better than that that would describe the day in which you and I are living. They are perilous times. The Bible exposes us to what Paul referred to in 1 Corinthians as the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the world which none of the princes of this world knew. And because the world doesn't know what's in the Bible, it makes some hideous mistakes. And that's why it's so important for you and me to expose ourselves to the Word of God. So I want to point out two things to you, and this will really make a difference to you if you take heed to them. First of all, the Bible will drastically alter your thinking. You cannot read the Bible honestly without being changed. You'll think differently about yourself and about others, You'll regard the, fan, uh, the, the, fanta, the fanatic pursuit of wealth and, and pleasure, which the world is all in for, in a different light. You'll have the tools to make decisions on totally different bases. And then secondly, the Bible will drastically alter your behavior. I could tell you many stories of how individuals began to read the Bible and had their whole outlook of life changed sometimes in a short way, in a short time. Some of you will remember the story of Mutiny on the Bounty. Some of you probably read it. I think there was a movie out some time ago to that effect. It's a true story. And in the early 19th century, there was a group of British sailors on the ship HMS Bounty that mutinied. They seized the ship and they fled to the small island of Peckram in the South Pacific. And there they hid from the British authorities for many years. But they were such cutthroats that their existence on that island was dangerous. It was chaotic. And they were so depraved that they started killing off each other until it looked as if that colony would only last just for a few years. 
before they would destroy themselves by their own debauchery. And then one of the mutineers, Alexander Smith, found a Bible that his mother had placed in his trunk. They began to read it. His life was transformed as he came to know the Lord through reading that Bible. He taught it to the others, and soon life on that island took on a whole new appearance. And when the mutineers were finally discovered, they were found to have an almost ideal community. There was no jail because there was no crime. They had become godly people. Every family among them was transformed by the power of the word of God. That's an amazing power that the Bible has, folks. There's no other book in all of, its, all of life's existence that has had that kind of power. And when you read your Bible, not only will your thinking be changed, but you'll begin to live a new life. You'll begin to detect the confusions that the world around you has, has and, the, and, and correct the things that are destroying you. The truth of the Bible leads to life, not death. And when you believe this truth and you act on this truth, you'll become enriched in your knowledge of God and his purpose for you. Life becomes peaceful and calm and, and a joy even in the midst of all these troubled, confused philosophies of the world. The Bible invariably imparts an inner strength empowered by the indwelling Holy Spirit to those who will live by it. That's part of the heritage of those who learn to understand and read the Bible. And that'll take some time. Uh, you can't understand the Bible by keeping it on the coffee table. You can't learn from its truths by osmosis. It just doesn't soak into the mind that way. You have to open its pages and read it. So I want to urge you to read it. Fill your mind with the scriptures. That'll steady you in an unstable time like we're experiencing now. Paul teaches Timothy a second thing. Uh, not only was Timothy to learn the things that he, that he had heard, but he was to do something else as he learned them. So secondly, he was to practice what he learned. Practice what you learn. This is found in verse 14. It says this. Continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of. Timothy acted upon what he learned. He didn't really believe. So you don't really believe something until you practice it. James tells us the same thing when he says, be ye doers of the word, not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. There's no profit in saying you believe the Bible from cover to cover until you're willing to do what it says from cover to cover. If this book is the truth, then why not practice what it says? The process begins in our mind with instruction, but it's not practical until your heart is fully convinced and we begin to practice what we say we believe. I, I'm not sure what Timothy, what, what impressed Timothy the most in the scriptures that caused him to continue. Maybe it was a verse like, lie not one to another. Maybe that caused him to be careful and watch what he would say and stop lying if that was a problem that he had. When he read freely 
you have received freely give. My guess is that he was encouraged to be generous, to help others with what he himself had been blessed with instead of keeping it for himself. And I'm confident that as, as he read Love Not the World, Neither the Things That Are in the World, that he knew it was time for him to stop pursuing worldly pleasures and stop acting like the worldly crowd that he grew up with. Things like that in the Bible will change our lives if we'll practice them. If we'll read them and, and make them real in our own lives. Sometimes I'm afraid we just read the Bible like another book. It's not another book. It's the book. And it's a book that will change your life. And thus he believed and he put into practice what he had been taught. And Paul suggests two factors that help Timothy believe and practice the scriptures and they'll help you too. Here they are. First of all, he listened to his teachers. The scriptures were taught to him by some people that he loved and he trusted. Knowing of whom thou hast learned them, Paul said. One of the things that makes believing the Bible much easier is when it comes from people, comes through people that we trust. In Timothy's case, that was his mother Eunice and his grandmother Lois. And since they were Jews, I'm sure they followed the pattern of Deuteronomy chapter 6, where Moses, Moses taught the people how to teach their children. He said this, he says, teach them by example when they get up in the morning and when they sit down at mealtime. He said, teach them a Bible story when they go to bed at night. Use the experiences of their day to teach them truth from the scriptures that will lock those truths into their hearts when they're young in age. You know, those of you who have little children on your lap, I heard one in the service this morning, and that's sweet news, or sweet music. Uh, and you go out back to the nursery and look at those little ones back there, little babies and the toddlers and so forth. Their minds are so impressionable. And we have a wonderful opportunity to impress them. And what better thing to impress them with than the Word of God and the principles of the Bible that will change their lives and cause them to live the way Paul wanted Timothy to live and the way God wants you to live and me to live. The wonderful thing. So he listened to his teachers. I'm sure they followed that pattern. You know, the Apostle Paul also had a powerful impact on Timothy. He never forgot what he had learned from Paul because it came through one that he deeply respected, the one who had led him to Christ. One he knew had the answers to the problems of life because he knew the scriptures. And so he listened to his teachers, but there was another thing. He learned at a young age it says here that from a child thou hast known the Holy Scriptures. Now he didn't get saved as a child, but he was impressed with the Scriptures as a child. As his mother and his grandmother had him at their knee teaching them. Some of you are like that. You, you were brought up in Christian homes. Your mom and, dad, mom and dad taught you the Word of God. But for some reason you didn't really trust Jesus until you, you were later in life. I was like that. I was brought up in church. My mom and my dad lived godly lives. They loved the Lord. But I didn't get saved until I was a teenager in high school. It was, in fact, it was my senior year of high school that I got saved. 
But the Bible impressed me, and I remembered that when I got saved, I reflected back on what I was taught by my mom and my dad, what I learned in Sunday school as a little boy. Our young lives are so impressionable. This should be an encouragement to parents not to miss any of these opportunities. Childhood is a wonderful time to get the truth of scriptures into young hearts. As a young child, memory verses from Sunday school and vacation Bible school will have an impact for life. A child's mind is easily impressed, not only with Christian truth, but also with other kinds of truth. What a wonderful thing to have learned from early childhood. The truth of the word of God through those who he loved and trusted. There was a third lesson that Paul impressed upon Timothy. Thirdly, he said, delight in the effect of the way you learn the Bible. It's found in verse 15. The effect of the scripture is to lead us to salvation, to transform us, to keep us from the downhill slide to eternal hell. The word of God has that effect upon us. It was not, of course, the scriptures that saved Timothy. The Bible itself doesn't save anyone. But the scriptures, with the aid of the Holy Spirit, are able to bring us to faith in Christ. He's the one who saves us. Jesus Christ who saves is the Jesus who is revealed in the Bible. The only way we can come to know the Savior, the only one who can deliver us from the bondage of our own sin is revealed in the pages of this blessed book. This is the uniqueness of the Bible. In it, you'll find revealed a person. And, uh, and he'll become even more real to you than the book itself. This is a wonderful glory of the Bible, of the, word of, of the word of God. In John chapter five and verse 39, Jesus said, search the scriptures for in them ye think. That word think has the idea of you come to an opinion that you have eternal life and they are they which testify of me. Jesus said, you read this book, it testifies of me. It'll tell you something about me. It'll tell you why I suffered the way I did. It'll tell, it'll tell you that I, I love you. My Father in heaven, God, loves you. And that's the reason why he allowed me, his only begotten son, to hang on a cross, a cruel cross, and bear all the pain and the agony that we sing about sometimes for you. Jesus said, I did it for you. Didn't do it for me. The Bible tells us about all of that. Well, you know, Dr. Donald Gray Barnhouse for 10 years pastored the 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia. He vividly illustrated the way some people approach the Bible. He imagined himself in a beachside hotel room that had a a window view of the beauty and the vast expanse of the ocean. And he imagined himself sitting there writing a letter to a friend who had never seen the ocean. And here's what he imagined writing. And I quote. He said, my room looks out through a window onto the ocean. Let me describe it. 
The window's about four feet high and six feet wide. It's covered by a pane of glass which is exactly three-eighths of an inch thick. I've taken some parings and scrapings of that glass and I've had them analyzed and I find that it's very fine, it's a very fine grade of glass. The best you can buy. In fact, he said, I'm attaching to this letter a research article on the kind of glass this is, where it's produced, what kind of sand it's made from, the process by which it's manufactured, and how it can finally how it is finally spread out in the op in open form and put into a window like this. I find that the window glass is locked into place by a substance that we call putty. It's a most unusual substance. It's a strange chemical substance. I've attached to this letter also a series of, of uh, research papers uh, done on putty. And if you read through, you will, you will understand that the high, quality, the high quality and the high grade of this putty I've also attached, attached a series of studies on the art of puttying glass into windows and the kind of training it takes to be a window installer, etc., etc., etc. The foolishness of all of that description of the window, of course, is that nothing is said about what he could see through the window. And many people study the Bible that way. They focus on the details of the book and fail to see the one whom the book reveals. They fail to look through the window to, uh, to the great view of Jesus Christ himself, the son of the living God, the savior of men. They fail to understand who he is, that he's come to dwell with us, to fill us, to strengthen us and deliver us from sin's curse, to forgive us and guide us through, through life that all power in heaven and earth is given unto him. There's no point in reading the Bible unless you see who it points to. And so Paul says in chapter 1 of this book and verse 2 of this letter, I know whom I have believed, not what I have believed. We sang that earlier in this service, you'll remember. The glory of this Bible is that it, it brings us face to face with Jesus Christ. The parsing of words is not nearly as important as we can see who's revealed through those words. And so, how did we get the Bible? Paul tells us here in verse 16. He answers this question by saying, all scripture is given by inspiration of God. That word inspiration is a powerful word. It simply means to breathe out. God breathed out his living word. It means the scriptures were breathed out from God. And Paul says, this, uh, Peter says the same thing when he says, holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Genesis tells us how God created man from a pile of dirt and breathing into that pile of dirt out from him came the spirit of life and man became a living person, a living being. You know the wonder of it all is that God did exactly that with the Bible. He chose the words of some holy men and breathed his life into those words so that they became his word. 
The word of scriptures have a unique quality about them. And whenever the heart of man is touched by those God-breathed words, they move him toward life, eternal life. What a wonderful thing. Well, we could ask another question. What can the Bible do for us? It's a wonderful book. In verse 16, Paul answers that question. According to the Apostle Paul, this living, vital Bible can do four things for everyone who reads it and who believes it. First of all, it can teach us. It says here in verse 16 that it's profitable for doctrine. That Greek word that's translated doctrine literally means teaching or to teach. The Bible will teach you about things that no one but God knows anything about. It'll tell you things about yourself. What can happen to you and what you can do about it. Things that only God knows but everyone should know. Everybody wants to know what lies beyond death. On many magazine racks today is displayed on the front page of some magazine an article entitled something like this. New evidence for life after death or words to that effect. People are hungry to know what lies beyond. They're always asking, is, there, is this all there is? Are we just going to fade away into dust or is there something else beyond? The human mind has been asking that through all of history. But there's only one book that has the answer. It tells about the one who rose from the grave and, and knows what is beyond. He returned from the death and thus the book becomes a reliable guide in areas in areas that we know nothing about unless we read it. The Bible will tell you what's wrong with this crazy mixed up world of ours. Why do we act the way we do when we know it's wrong? You ever ask yourself that question? Why did I do that? I knew it was wrong. What is this strange evil tendency that permeates our society? Why do we want to destroy one another and bomb our neighbors out of existence? This book will give you the answer. The Bible has the power to teach us what we cannot otherwise know if we'll read it. Secondly, the Bible can reprove us. It's profitable for reproof, it tells us. That word reproof means convict. It'll convict us. I get convicted when I read the Bible. I'm an old man. I've been reading the Bible for actually 84, not 84 years. I've, I've been reading the Bible for a long time. But I learn something new every time I read it. I'm grateful for that. How many of you have had the experience of reading the Bible and becoming aware of something that you've been doing for, for your lifetime maybe? Something that you didn't think was wrong, but it was the reason why you were hurting and you were hurting others. And the Bible suddenly made, made you aware of it. In order to be free, you had to change. You had to commit yourself to a different lifestyle. That's called conviction. 
the Bible has tremendous power to point out to us whatever's wrong in our lives and convict us of it. Thirdly, the Bible can correct us. It's profitable for correction, it says. The Bible reproves us so it can correct us. The amazing testimony of the Bible is that when we accept the reproof and correction, it leads us to freedom and to satisfaction of life while those who are rejected are always led into deeper enslavement to sin and the limitations of the joys that are in Christ. Always. Fourthly, the Bible can train us in right living. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Those words suggest that the Bible has the power to tune us up so we can walk day by day in a more righteous way as we walk with our Lord. That's why it's important to read it. So we can walk in righteousness. We can learn how to live. It can train us in right living. Of all of this, it does this so that the man of God may be perfect, spiritually mature, thoroughly furnished or completely equipped for all good works. This Bible will do that. Why is it you can serve the Lord? How can you serve the Lord? It's because you know the scriptures and the Bible teaches you how to serve the Lord and serve him with joy. It instructs us in right living. How can we live a life for God? How can we be pleasing to God? How can, we, how can we love him more? The Bible, reading the Bible instructs us in how to do that. It's a wonderful book. And so we can confidently say that this Bible is sufficient to do all of this. The Bible has the capacity of producing men and women who are mature Christians in Christ. It's more than sufficient for all, for all we need to know in getting to heaven and serving God while we're on the way there. I don't know anything more exciting than this book. I've been studying it for over 65 years and I pick it up with a new sense of excitement each time that I'm going to see something new and fresh from it. This amazing book never gets old. And I commend you to read it. If your mind and your heart are saturated with the wisdom of this book, it'll strengthen you, it'll guide you through the times of crisis, through the things of life that are such crisis to you, into daily contact with our Lord, with the Lord of this book. And I trust that this message will encourage you to discover the Christ of this book. All around America and the world, there are congregations that are biblically illiterate. Some of them call themselves evangelical churches, but they don't know the Bible. They don't know the great truths of Scripture. And as a consequence, they're drifting down the broad way that leads to hell, along with all the others who reject the Bible. I hope and pray that this congregation will never be that way. But, uh, but you, you will be men and women who cry out like John Wesley, oh, give me that book. Above all else, let me have the book of God. The glory of this book is that it can instruct your mind 
It can touch your heart. And it can lead you to faith, saving faith in Jesus Christ. And I challenge you to continue in the things which you've learned and you've been assured of in this new year and all of the new years to come. Our Father God, I, I pray that you'll help us today to love you, to serve you, and to honor you with our lives. I pray, Heavenly Father, that you'll give us a new compassion in our hearts for the Word of God. Realize what it can do for us, how it can train us, and how, Lord, it can uh, make us different more holy and walk with you. How it can lead to salvation. And this morning again, God, I would ask you if there's somebody nestled in this congregation who's never been born again. They're not on the way to heaven. I pray for Jesus' sake that they might come to you and be born again. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, you can visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and we want to encourage you to share this message with others. May the truth of God's word be your guide as you strive to follow Christ and make him known to others.